Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Hello, and welcome to DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. My name is Dr. Brenda Bergeson, Director of Scientific Affairs at DBSA's National Office. I'm honored to have as our guest today Dr. William B. Lawson, Professor and Chair of the Psychiatry Department at the Howard University College of Medicine in Washington, D.C. In addition to his teaching, research, and clinical responsibilities, Dr. Lawson is a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and the principal investigator for Howard University's five-year mood research program, funded by a multi-million dollar grant from the National Institute of Mental Health. He also serves as a consulting and contributing editor to the Journal of Dual Diagnosis and Current Psychiatry. And we're very privileged at DBSA to have him as a member of our Scientific Advisory Board. Dr. Lawson, welcome and thank you for talking with us today about depression and bipolar disorder and the impact of these illnesses in the African-American community. We would like to start off with a little bit of general information. Could you explain for our listeners the basic differences between depression and bipolar disorder? Certainly. I'd be very glad to. Um, we look, like to look at mood disorders as um, um, going from in two different poles. Uh, if we assume that there's that normality, um, normal mood, uh, with some minor fluctuations, um, is one consistent pole, then uh, depression is when the mood dips below that pole or that level. Um, in bipolar disorder, on the other hand, there's greater fluctuation. Your mood can be high um, or it can be low. Um, uh, and so there's, uh, this is what we used to call manic depressive illness to represent the fact that it's more like um, a, a swinging of the moods uh, rather than that the mood is, um, is at a constant level or that it's constantly depressed. I see. Statistics show that it can often take up to 10 years for someone with bipolar disorder to get the right diagnosis. Many times, a form of bipolar's mania, a milder form called hypomania, goes undetected. And often, especially in the African-American community, bipolar disorder is misdiagnosed. Can you talk a little bit about this and why it might happen? Well, one reason it's misdiagnosed is because um, if a person has bipolar disorder, the first presenting symptoms may be depression. We can't say that the person has bipolar disorder until they have the first manic or hypomanic episode. So especially in primary care settings, um, in settings in which um, individuals are, um, simply do not um, see or have been trained to recognize bipolar disorder, many times these individuals are misdiagnosed as being depressed. We also recognize that Many of the symptoms of bipolar disorder, unfortunately, um, are much consistent with some of the values that we consider good in our society, um, but they're just at an extreme level. For example, 
um, many bipolar patients tend to be involved in multiple sexual liaisons. Um, the uh, so Don Juan type of thing, which was uh, frequently uh, glorified on TV and in the movies, all the individuals may go on shopping sprees, uh, which of course would like to say would be good for the economy. Um, all these uh, uh, tend to be um, irritable. This would be the guy, the, the tough guy, uh, the guy who, who nobody will mess with. Um, but the difference is that um, these uh, kinds of behaviors are carried to the extreme, and individuals often, uh, and often the, the behavior turns out to be self-destructive. And then finally, what we find among many African Americans is that when bipolar disorder is very extreme, um, when the uh, mood swing is high, um, folks will often label the person as being, quote, crazy, and misdiagnose them as having schizophrenia. Yes, that's a common problem in the African community that the misdiagnosis of schizophrenia is made. Is that true? Yes, it is. Do you think that African-American men might present with different symptoms than women or African-American women? Um, the data is not out yet. One of the problems is that we really don't have a lot of published research um, of bipolar disorder in African-Americans. We have, um, we're finally having individuals who are writing on their personal experiences. Um, we are among the few groups that um, is actually looking at large numbers, but um, there's um, only been uh, several published studies looking at large numbers. What um, some of us um, um, expect is that there may be more irritability among African-American men, probably because of cultural factors, the uh, way in which um, they, view the, they view society. Um, but again, there's, there's, there's unfortunately no hard data. Uh, right now, for most of us, our experience has been that um, in the diagnosing of the disorder, um, it looks like it um, fits most of the criteria we use in the DSM-4. Um, so there's um, um, so there's probably not a huge cultural overlay to obscure the diagnosis. It's just that the presentation can sometimes uh, can sometimes differ, and again, um, it's a lot more difficult to be euphoric if you're from low-income circumstances, um, or if you um, are subject to the effects of um, uh, what many, some people may see as an oppressive society. Sure, that's understandable. Do we know how common depression and bipolar disorder are among African Americans? The, um, the most the large scale studies suggest that bipolar rates of bipolar disorder is probably pretty much the same among African Americans as it is among other populations. There's um, been two large scale studies, actually three large scale studies, showing that depression may be less common in African Americans, but there are many of us um, who uh, feel that that may reflect the way in which we diagnose these disorders. We find, for instance, that African-Americans are much less likely um, to report themselves as being sad or being unhappy and more likely to use more culturally specific terms like falling out or having too much tension. Um, we often find that African-Americans are less likely to say they are disabled um, by uh, depression. Uh, which is, again, one of the criteria in, uh, in the DSM-4. So uh, while the uh, studies um, that are out there now suggest that um, bipolar disorder, may, I'm sorry, that uh, depression may be less common, the caveat is that it may
government is um, because, again, the pressure is diagnosed by a verbal report. It is not diagnosed by any kind of blood test. The take-home message to us is that it was one thought that depression and bipolar were rare. Um, even the studies that suggest that they may be less common still show that depression and bipolar disorder are really quite common in the African-American community and associated with a significant amount of morbidity. When we talk about cultural differences, that also brings up the problem of stigma. Can you talk a little bit about the problem of stigma related to mental illness in general in the African community? Yeah, um, stigma is a major problem because um, for many folks, um, the taxonomy of mental illnesses, you're either um, crazy or not crazy. Uh, and uh, this has been well demonstrated, and it's a reality to the fact that African Americans, if diagnosed with a mental disorder, are much more likely to be hospitalized and to have a long hospitalization stay. So, um, there's, so there's some evidence to suggest uh, that folks may not want, um, that, may be, you know, that it may not be in the interest to uh, say that they're, quote, crazy. Um, also, um, there's far less stigma to being, quote, bad than there is to being crazy. And so folks may choose to be labeled as um, having antisocial behavior rather than saying that someone is, quote, crazy. Also, um, there's a, a strong concern that um, having a mental disorder may be a sign of personal weakness. And this kind of belief is far more common in the African-American community. And um, although it's changing, um, there's still uh, a general lack of appreciation that mental disorders or illnesses rather than some sort of um, 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 personal failing. When you talk about treatment, do you think there are other challenges or barriers that African Americans with mood disorders face when it comes to getting the correct diagnosis and culturally appropriate treatment and care? One of the problems is misdiagnosis. But even when diagnosis does occur, often uh, folks, um, because of the stigma associated with mental health professionals, end up going to non-mental health professionals um, who may um, simply may not be aware of the kinds of, um, of uh, uh, treatments that are available for mood disorders. So many will go to their minister, they may go to their primary care physician, they may go um, and they end up in the correctional system. African Americans, males are far more likely to end up in the correctional system, um, which has become a major mental health provider, um, in which um, uh, more complex illnesses like bipolar disorder simply aren't recognized or appropriately treated. Um, part of it also is that many folks, because of the lack of awareness, are unaware that some of the psychotherapies, as well as our medications, um, may work just as well for African Americans as for everyone else. Um, many people are fearful that the uh, treatments may be some sort of um, nefarious experimentation um, there's a lot of awareness of the uh, Tuskegee um, syphilis study, sure. um, in which um, certain, which, which was a federally funded study, um, in which treatment was inappropriately um, denied. Uh, so there's a, a general suspicion of um, mental health providers in general um, and of the medical community. And it's not helped by the fact that uh, some um, of our providers are either unaware or simply not recognized. Uh, the cultural differences that 
may exist among African Americans, um, and may not, or um, may not be as aggressive in terms of uh, treating mental disorders. Is there any other new research or information you could share with us on the unique mental health needs of African Americans? I think the most important one is to recognize that um, African American, like Latinos, um, is a very is becoming a it's always been a very diverse group. Um, we are now uh, with other so-called minorities becoming um, a majority in America among African Americans. Not only are there folks um, who have been here um, from slavery times, but there are many new immigrants from Africa who are in their first or second generation. Um, there are African Caribbean individuals um, who are um, some of whom are multi-generational. And our, their cultural needs, their cultural issues um, may be different. Uh, in some areas, uh, these recent immigrants are um, these folks that did not come through the, um, um, uh, from the early 16th century um, may have, uh, may be coming out a majority in some major cities of those people who are called African-American. The other uh, is that we begin to recognize the diversity um, that African-Americans offer in terms of not only symptom presentation, but response to treatment. Um, the, um, since um, people of African ancestry are, in fact, uh, genetically um, more heterogeneous than any other population, because we were the ancestors of all human beings, um, we tend to show a greater degree of genetic variability. And what we're finding is that uh, some of the medications that we use, which have been tested only on Caucasian populations, um, may show different side effect profiles, and, or, and both in terms of response and in terms of side effects. For example, we know that many of our psychotropic medications uh, increase the risk of metabolic syndrome and diabetes, and these are of greater risk in the African-American and Hispanic community. So care should be taken in appropriately using our psychotropic medications. We're recognizing that the um, response rate of some of the um, antidepressant medications may differ um, even because the blood levels may differ in African Americans or because the receptors involved may have some differences. Not that they don't work, but we may need to look at them more closely in terms of which medications may be more appropriate um, at a given dose. Um, without producing side effects. We're finding that psychotherapies um, can differ. Uh, and what we're finding is that some psychotherapists seem to be um, better translated cross-culturally. For example, um, interpersonal therapy seems, in the studies that's been done so far, seem to uh, work just as well in Uganda as it does in New York. On the other hand, that may not be true for some of the other evidence-based therapies, such as cognitive behavioral therapy. Nevertheless, what we find is that when um, psychotherapy plus medication provided to African-Americans, um, in uh, well, African-Americans had the same kind of access as Caucasian population, the outcomes are just as good. The, uh, one of the efforts that we are involved in is a probably the largest study of depression and the genetic underpinnings of depression in African Americans. Um, we are working along with uh, Columbia University and anyone who's interested and who, have, who may have been depressed and have family members with depression, please call 
And this is to participate in that study, possibly, Dr. Lawson? That's right. And one wolf, and you can be compensated. Also, the study can be done from the comfort of your own home. So anyone across the country can participate in this study? Anyone across the country. Great. That's certainly important information for researchers, clinicians, and consumers themselves. Do you have any kind of information that you could give to family and friends in order to support people living in their communities and certainly in their families with mood disorders? I think it's very important for uh, family members uh, to become involved with support organizations, such as the kind that um, BBSA and NAMI have involved. Um, historically, African Americans have been very underrepresented in support organizations, although we are tend to be much more gregarious people in terms of other kinds of organizations. Uh, so we need to get some of our traditional groups, such as our church groups, our sororities, our fraternities, our lodges, to work more closely with support organizations to ensure that they get the word out about that mental illness is an illness that can be recognized and successfully treated. We, can, we all should, should do more to educate um, many of the indigenous um, providers in the African-American community, um, our clergy, um, our, um, our barbershops, all important places uh, in which we come for advice and sometimes treatment. And these groups benefit heavily from having those of us who have these disorders to, be, uh, to um, spread the word. We're involved in a study um, in which we're looking at uh, people, uh, family members of mental disorders, and we were found very quickly that um, it's because of the stigma, families simply do not talk about mental disorders in the African American community. Although the African American community, ironically, is more tolerant of those with severe mental disorders. Um, and a lot of this has to do with stigma, a lot of this has to do with uh, failure to understand what it means to have a mental illness. But I think it's important for family members within their families to talk about these disorders, to get more information about them, and to be able to reduce the stigma in families uh, so they can better support each other. Thank you. That's been very useful information. And thank you, Dr. Lawson, for your time today and for all the work that you do every day to improve the lives of people living with mood disorders. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And thanks to all of you for joining us in this Real Recovery Podcast. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help.